hello again, and welcome to episode nine of In Gear with the Shop. I'm your host, Reagan Dickinson. Now, when you're itching for that wonderful feel of rolling out an automobile, which would you choose? Well, for some, it's a classic Ford Bronco, and Gateway Bronco, headquartered in Hamill, Illinois, specializes in restoring and customizing classic Broncos. Our guest is the founder of Gateway Bronco, Seth Burgett. Quick reminder that you can hear this episode as well as all past and future episodes on your favorite platform, whether it's SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and at our website, theshopmag.com. So without further ado, let's get in gear with Seth. Well, Seth, first of all, I really appreciate you joining us today. Um, you know, I just read your profile in the November issue of The Shop magazine. Uh, I thought it was a real nice profile, and it's always good to see the Broncos that you're restoring. You know, and one of the things that struck me in the article was uh, your background. I, I thought it was a very diverse, very interesting background. And I was wondering what you were able to take from your previous experience, that is at McDonnell Douglas, medical robotics, and so forth, that you were able to translate to processes in the automotive market to help make them as efficient, as high quality as possible. You know, Reagan, I think that there are really a couple of things bringing forward from both the technology side as well as the the manufacturing side, and they call it good manufacturing practices in the medical device industry. GMP okay. is the general terminology that's used to to really create anything that's medically, you know, important for life critical items. Okay. And so everything is ranked from low criticality to high criticality. And, and really these things are, are important for everyone to make sure that the pieces that are manufactured that are used to help our healthcare system uh, are of consistent quality. And so that's that's a big part of what we've done here in this kind of restoration world is turn it instead of a a garage shop operation to a manufacturing assembly line. And as a part of that, overlaying this good manufacturing practices, which includes quality standards and supplier standards uh, throughout the entire assembly line, ensures that we can provide, you know, a three, five or even seven year warranty to our client. Mm -hmm. The second part of that from that previous background is the technology. So certainly not not at all afraid of technology and being uh, an inventor in minimal invasive robotics for neurology and cardiology, uh, technology is our friend. And so what we do is we really integrate it into this vintage vehicle in a way that's seamless. Those are the kind of the two major areas or three areas that we brought from my background into this business. Okay. And what does that look like actually in the manufacturing that you're doing now with the Broncos? How does that actually translate or or maybe you can give me an example of something that's employed that you took from that? Yeah, I think that one of the things that's employed here is the the quality sign off. We have every employee on the assembly line that are bonused on the first 30 days of quality for the client. So when the client gets the vehicle, if they've had it for 30 days and there are no issues, then everyone on the assembly line gets a paid bonus. Another example would be the vehicle cannot get loaded into the trailer to be delivered to the client unless the driver has a signed off inspection record from every station uh, on the assembly line. Those are just small examples of how we ensure the quality is there and nothing gets missed. Okay. And what type of technology are you employing to help? 
Well, you know, in, in terms of the technology to help the assembly line, we have our own app that we've developed for everyone's phone in the facility. And, and it tracks what the traffic patterns are. It tracks the manufacturing of the parts and it tracks the man hours that are used for every one of the workstations. Okay. And so that technology also uh, helps us to manage the, the flow of materials, which is a major part of that technology. Okay. And it's Broncos only, correct? Yeah, currently it's Broncos, but we also are licensed by Ford Motor Company to produce the F-Series truck. Okay. And so we can produce the 67 through the 72 F-Series truck, which is a you know really interesting uh, era, very similar to the Bronco. It, we will also do other vehicles, but only generally when the client and the company have a, a, a longstanding relationship already. Hey, why did you decide to focus in on Broncos specifically? Did you see a demand in the market or is it just you had a love for it? All, all of the above. So okay. we, had a, <laughs> yeah, we had a clear passion for the vehicle. And, and, you know, part of the story, Reagan, is I had sold a company and I took a year sabbatical to spend with our family, mm-hmm. uh, do big one on one with each of our kids and my wife. And our oldest child and I did a cross country in a Bronco. Okay. We went from Walden Pond to Niagara, uh, to Glacier, to Seattle, down Pacific Coast Highway. And it was an original Bronco, unrestored, original paint. And what yeah. we found is that we put up a Facebook page. We love Broncos. We knew that. Mm-hmm. But by the time we got to Big Sky Country, 33,000 people were following us on Facebook. So that told us that a lot of other people like these vehicles as well. Sure. We understood it after 5,000 miles, kind of the bad behavior and, and what might need to be improved. Couldn't find a good builder to, to create one for our family that I, that I really felt would, would meet our needs. And so we said, you know what? I had a year. I thought about it. And we, we started the company and, and uh, began building Broncos. That's awesome. Uh, demand was very high, obviously. And, yeah. and um, just thought we could apply my entire background towards the manufacture of a vehicle. Yeah, that's huge. You, you know, you mentioned the some of the features that you build into the vehicles. And, and what is your approach to combining the old school with the latest technology? <laughs> that's, a, yeah, that's another good question. You know, our, our approach there is keeping the essence of the original Bronco while getting rid of the bad behavior. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, after um, after 5,000 miles in an original Bronco, uh, the number one thing is, uh, you know, have a fuel tank that's big enough to go longer than two hours of driving. Um, yeah, right, right. You, know, you, you go through those items and, you know, essentially our approach to the technology is make it always available to the client, but rarely seen. Mm-hmm. We put in a, uh, a Focal stereo that provides studio quality sound, but the head unit is hidden. The, the system is not blatantly obvious to someone who walks up to the vehicle, but when you turn on the stereo, control it with your, uh, your phone, with CarPlay, um, you then have that that technology is there, but it doesn't have to be immediately present. It's not even seen. The backup camera, for example, is in the rear view mirror. So there's not an extra screen. When you put it in reverse, the rear view mirror turns into a backup camera. Oh, yeah. So 
those are the types of things that we try to provide that, you know, we, we describe it as the technology is always present, but rarely seen. And that's the best way I can describe it. Okay. And I also understand that y'all are working with electric power and I'm curious as to what you're finding and working with it and what's working and what's not. Yeah, you know, that's an exciting area. Um, the, you know, the funny thing is, Reagan, you didn't ask about it, but, you know, our client base uh, will both own a Ford Raptor and a Tesla. Okay. And it's a really unique dynamic that they will own a, own a Raptor and a Tesla at the same time. And so for them to have an electric-powered Bronco is is a natural kind of combination mm-hmm. um, and we recently just two weeks ago had a client that reached out to us he were already in process on his build and early on and he said uh, you know i'm feeling guilty about the bronco i've ordered <laughs> and he said not that it's a bronco but that it's not electric he said can you still make mine electric <laughs> so we yeah uh, we converted the build to electric and he feels better now and less guilty so you know it, it's the dynamic on the consumer side is really interesting to see how people are are swaying um, to the to the ev side in terms of the supply chain for electric you know it's getting better and better all the time in the past two years since we've started this effort it is just immensely better supply chain than it was then Mm. and batteries and motors are robust and oem quality that's that's not a problem but the accessories like air conditioning and power steering or hydro boost brakes those are things that you know they used to be fringe manufacturers that had these items available but our concerns were the reliability of a, you know, electric power steering pump. Mm-hmm. And, and what we're finding now is those manufacturers have gone from fringe to mainstream OEM manufacturers and, and OEM level quality. So, okay. you know, we've been pretty confident in the motors and the, the, the battery systems for the, for the for the EVs for quite a while. It's really those accessories that have come online and become, you know, really truly mainstream OEM level quality. And that's a that's a great thing for everyone. Okay, so it sounds like the supply chain was the greatest challenge with that, and it sounds like it's getting much better. It is exactly, yeah. We're not we're not at all concerned about technology uh, providing active ride control or any level of technology in the vehicle, um, so long as we can get the supply of the componentry, and and now we can. Are they hybrid or pure electric? Uh, these are pure electric. Okay. You know, it sounds like you have a real solid staff there at Gateway Bronco, and. You know, other shops, we get a lot of feedback that one of the biggest issues they're facing is finding good employees. What's your best advice to other shops for finding great employees and retaining them? Well, you know, finding finding employees is a tough thing in this market. Um, you know, we've hired nine people in the past 10 or 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and so COVID has been a positive for us there. And, and we're picking up people that uh, maybe are very un unhappy with where they are today. And it it all goes to one really simple approach, treat people like family. And and Mm -hmm. we call it our work family and and respect is the number one item. So showing appreciation when it's earned and treating people the way we would want to be treated is is absolutely the the foundation to keeping the people once you found folks. And you know, once you've built that reputation in an industry or in an area, people flock to your business because they know how people are treated. Are there certain specific things that you do to foster that culture? 
We, we do. And, and we have some uh, very specific things in, in terms of uh, the cultural drivers. It, it's rare, but we ask for a, uh, a zero language. You know, so we uh, we're asking for folks to not use language in the shop. And, and some some folks say, look, you know, I'm on they're on the interview and they say, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> this may not be the place yeah. for me. And we say, OK, right, right. all right. So. We have cultural drivers that we want to see in people, and, and we're about to kick off another another piece to help reinforce that, and that is Employee of the Month, where we state the cultural drivers that this employee exhibits and why they won uh, Employee of the Month. So not just that they won, uh, but why they won that uh, Employee of the Month mm-hmm. and, and what cultural drivers that they exhibited. So. Well, it's just part of what we try to do. It's a it's a culture that we've architected from scratch. The type of people we like to hire and the, the way we like folks to act, and it seems to work. Yeah, the language thing is interesting to me. Is there something behind that as far as what that fosters within the company to not have any language or a lot of language on the floor? It's it's really simple. Um, I just tell everybody asks me why. And I said, because if I hear it, I might use it and I don't want to use it. So it's as simple as that. And um, I think that our tech should not have to act a certain way when a client comes through or when there's a visitor. It should be the way they act all the time. Mm -hmm. And if I don't see it, great. I know it happens. And we have some folks we have to work with, some folks that say that that word's a verb for me. And uh, (laughs) we say, well, (laughs) just (laughs) you got to manage it. And um, having self-control of our emotions is one of the most important things things to be a leader of our families and, and of our communities. And so that's, that's the way we approach it. Uh, it is a challenge at all times, though. Uh, so I would put it that way. So it kind of sounds like the philosophy is character is when people are not watching you. That's your character, right? It, it is. And, you know, you mentioned the word character. Um, I use that word all the time. Uh, the other word is integrity. Mm. And so we hire on three tenants. And I've been doing this for a long time. We hire on character first, competence second, and culture third. Okay. So the way we look at this, if the character is there and we can trust someone with our checkbook or with uh, you know, our families, this is something that if they have the integrity, they could have low competence and we can build their competence over time. Um, you can't teach character. It just, it's just not something that we can do. And so the mm. competence thing comes second. And then culturally, we have to decide if that's someone that will fit within our culture. And they have to decide sometimes if they'll fit within the culture. Sure. But those are the three things in that order that we hire on. And, uh, and we stated pretty actively to our, to our applicants. This is during the interview process, uh, just like we did last night before we hired someone. Mm-hmm. Now, is there anything that you've learned from the pandemic that's helped you get through it and to prepare for future potential bumps in the road? We don't know what those bumps are yet, do we? <laughs> <laughs> no, we would describe it as it's a marathon and not a sprint. Um, sure. This is it is far from over. Um, and it's just the beginning of how it impacts a company like ours. You know, the supply chain is really what gets impacted the most. Our personnel has been pretty well managed, Reagan. We've um, you know, we've got a large 
large operation, everyone's spread out. We maintain our distances and things, but it's it's really honestly keeping our supply chain moving and how we manage that. So we just hired a director of purchasing uh, to be able to help manage our entire supply chain. And that's probably the biggest thing that impacts a company like ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but number one, it is definitely a marathon and not a sprint. Although the cases may be managed, uh, you know, the uh, the overall area that we live in, uh, it's it's pretty well managed, but the the supply chain is the thing we've got to be most concerned about, and we we work to mitigate. Okay, but how do you prepare for an economic downturn? Do you do you have that kind of baked into your plan as far as if we see um, a recession or even a depression, this is how we handle it? Uh, we do. Um, we, we call a recession proofing the business. And right. so part of what really helped us with the pandemic is we already had our recession proof plan mm-hmm. in place. And, and that enables us to, you know, kind of work through the potential recession that will be looming. We don't know when, but it will happen. And so those are pieces that we we just actively work towards so we can uh, have a balanced and diversified business kind of the way we describe it we're in the midwest there's farm country everywhere and and a general farmer will have corn beans and some cattle or otherwise diversifying his portfolio and that's what we're doing okay are, are there other points in that plan like specific points in the plan that you can share with us that's uh, you know beyond the diversification well, I think, you know, part of the diversification uh, that we can share um, is the F-Series truck, right? It's a different client, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes the same client. Um, but as we look at our client private uh, private client group where we have um, we have custom vehicles that are being done with our existing clients that have means, those are the types of projects that uh, they're a little bit longer in nature. Um, they they're more complex, uh, more in depth, and um, and those those folks in general, uh, their liquidity is not uh, not at risk during a, a downturn. And and if they want to have one of these vehicles, they're going to have it one way or the other. So that's a part of our diversification that I can kind of share. Okay, gotcha. And how are those uh, coming along for you? The what is the F one hundreds? Yes, we've got it. We've got an F two fifty. F two fifty. Yeah, F two fifty crew cab four by four being built currently, and it has the new seven point three liter Godzilla engine. It is um, you know an iconic kind of concept from Ford where this 7.3 liter diesel has now been converted to a gas engine and uh, has a cult following in the in the Ford world and the truck world mm-hmm. and now we're applying it to this old 1972 F series. We're also supercharging it with one of our partners from Eaton, the, the Harrop USA folks are designing and building a supercharger for this. So it will be, um, you know, 700 plus plus, maybe 800 horse four wheel drive beast. And that's uh, that's well on its way. Can you reveal any future plans to me? Anything coming down the pike that we should be looking out for? <laughs> we'll always have a future item. Um, right. and I would say that, uh, <laughs> I'm hoping you'll give me a sneak preview. I guess that's yeah. what I'm after here. How about a how about a uh, um, how about an orange Pantera uh, with all modern technology? That's coming down the pipe, and that'll be a fun. I like one. it. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what the music means. Our time is up. I appreciate you uh, sitting down with us today. I uh, really enjoyed the, the discussion. I think it's uh, 
very illuminating and a lot of good information here. And I think there's uh, something that somebody can take away from this to hopefully improve their business too. Fantastic, Reagan. Thank you so much for having us on. Absolutely. Anytime. Hey, you can find out more about Gateway Bronco at, check it out, gatewaybronco.com, ironically enough. And if you search for Gateway Bronco at theshopmag.com, you'll see more of Gateway's reimagined 1967 to 1972 F-Series trucks, its charity builds, as well as the latest from around the industry. Now, thanks again for listening. And until next time, adios amigos.